FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. What's up, everybody? We are back with another week of the Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Barnes. We are joined again, as usual, by DeMichael Cole, who is back with us. Obviously, DeMichael, we are glad you are, are joining us this week. Obviously, we know it's been a it's been a challenging week for you and your family, so we're thankful that you are able to take some time away and you're back with us. So um, a lot of folks were thinking about you this past week, so we appreciate you being back, man. Man, evidence, uh, for one, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for all the support. You know, a lot of people reached out and, you know, um, just asked about the family, sent their thoughts, their prayers. Grateful for all of that. But, you know, it's great to kind of be back in the flow of things, too. You know, uh, when you're away so long, you know, you kind of get in a rhythm, especially as a beat writer. You know, it's a it's an everyday grind and you get in this rhythm. So it's kind of, you know, kind of a good feeling to kind of get back into that rhythm as well. So, uh I mean, we're definitely not short on things to talk about. No, we're going to jump right in because we got a lot going on with this Grizzlies team. Obviously, we're recording this on Thursday, fresh off of their win in Houston on a back-to-back where they also beat the Lakers, the Grizzlies we're talking about. And now this road trip heats up with three, actually three straight nationally televised games on this road trip at Denver yeah. on fr- at Denver Friday at the Clippers on Sunday, and they stay in LA to face the Lakers, who, as reported today, will not have LeBron James because he'll be reevaluated in three weeks with a right. tendon injury in his right foot. So, DeMichael, let's get to it. This road trip, obviously, the last time the Grizzlies were on a significant West Coast road trip, they went 0 for 5. They won't do that again this time because they won in Houston. But how important are these games going to be? Because obviously, this Denver game, they the Grizzlies had no problem winning against Denver on Saturday when they straight up molly whopped them but now they're in they're in that they're in the altitude of mile high the the home team has won the last two meetings with these teams how important is this game going to be given of course everything we know about denver being one grizzlies being two and the grizzlies mainly needing to get back on track um after how they went to the all-star break right well from a upward standings standpoint like the one two thing i don't think it's that important from that perspective but overall, if you just look at the whole totality of the picture, uh, that first game is huge, right? Uh, for one, the Kings are right on the Grizzlies' trails, you know, as the, at this point. And people, look, I, I know it sounds funny Evan, when you say it, especially I know you're a SoCal guy, but so you, I know it's funny to you as well, but people got to take the Kings serious. I mean, that's just what's happening right now. They are two games back behind the Grizzlies have won their last four games. So uh, the Grizzlies don't have a lot of room, you know, for error with the Kings uh, right behind them. So that's why this game is kind of important in that way. For one, uh, that's that's the thing that stands out to me. But you mentioned Denver, right? Uh, Denver is, has been great. We saw how the Grizzlies dominated that game on the road. We've written about it. We've talked about it on here. Everyone in the West, pretty much, you know, one to 10, they're all good at home. So, you know, you should win those games, but no one has been better than the Denver Nuggets at home. I think 28 and four right now at home. It's the best, best home record in the, in the NBA. Uh, the Grizzlies will have their hands full, but I tell you what, Evan, it's it's all about momentum, right? They've won a couple in a row. If you go into Denver and you shake some things up, uh, the rest of that road trip is going to feel like a breeze if you win in Denver. <laughs> well, we'll see, because I think, obviously, 
it's a big if to get through Denver because obviously that is a tough place to play and altitude is the sixth man on the court for sure. But if you're oh, yeah. the, it ain't easy. No. Nah, if you're the Grizzlies, though, if you want to show on national TV that you can be a, be somebody that the team should be looking at, you have to win this game or at least put forth a good show. I think the Sixers game last week on national television was a better showing even though that they lost. And I think if the Grizzlies can at least, if they don't win, Put something up on on film on in front of eyeballs that says, "Hey, you are getting better." Obviously, we've seen Jaron Jackson play, you know, really, really well um, these last two national TV games, or play, you know, better than he had played before. So that's what you need to do. This is a statement. I don't know if it's a statement game, but if you don't win this game, I think a lot of people are going to look at you and say, "Well, you can't beat a top, you know, a top team in the West on the road. You know, you can't beat a top team on the road." But if you do win this game, I think it definitely gives people a chance to take stock and say, all right, all the stuff swirling around this team, they can focus in and win a game like this. It'll give them some positive attention that they sorely need. It's a a momentum thing, right? It's huge uh, from that perspective. You know, we kind of come to the point right now. At this point, the Grizzlies have have dug themselves in a big hole. it's, It's very, very unlikely that they'll catch Denver in the one to two race. Now it's about holding off the competition behind you. And whatever happens with Denver, you know, you you let that play out. But the but the main, I mean, they're five games behind Denver, you know, at this point. So that's going to be tough. But with that being said, uh, getting back to your point, uh, teams don't win in Denver like that. I mean, we, they only got four losses the entire season. And in this game in particular, you know, Aaron Gordon is expected to be back. He didn't play in Memphis. He's an impact player, you know, talking to people in Denver, Evan. You know, they thought he should have been an all-star. Uh, they thought Aaron Gordon was an all-star uh, caliber player so far this season. So that just goes to show how important he is. We've seen Jamal Murray kind of rounded more into form. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. being back. Uh, just the whole totality of it over there. They got a nice squad. So uh, that's the starter. But, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, if they win that game, the rest of the road trip is going to feel like a breeze. But uh, going over there to L.A., uh, neither of those games are probably going to be easy either, uh, Evan. No, nah, so let's just jump in into Michael. Clippers have a healthy Kawhi. You know, it looks like they're playing well. The Lakers, obviously, no LeBron. They're obviously in mode. They got to win every game. What's your prediction for these next three games before they come back home to face the Warriors? First three-game road trip. What will the Grizzlies' record be for these next three games? I say one and two. Uh, uh, Denver, you know, they're 28 and four. It's it's hard, hard for me to see the Grizzlies uh, winning that game against what's expected to be a, a healthy uh, Denver squad. I think the Lakers game is is your win. You know, uh, the Lakers, again, you know, they, they're missing LeBron James, but they have, you know, D'Angelo Russell, who's probably going to be back for that game. Anthony Davis playing, you know, well and et cetera. Uh, you know, Malik Beasley was a very good pickup for them. The Clippers is the wild card game, I think. I think that's the that's the one that can swing the you know swing it either way. And the thing about it is, that's where you know the Stephen Adams uh, perspective comes into play, right? I think of all those teams, the game where he could potentially make the biggest difference is against a team like the Clippers. You watch the Clippers play; everyone knows the Clippers have more wings than KFC. I mean. Uh, <laughs> they they they're loaded with them. the whole team pretty much. You look at the roster; it's a couple guards, it's a couple big men, and it's a bunch of guys who can play the two, the three, and the four. And that's the way they play. 
That's the way uh, the Clippers like to play basketball at the end of games. They're usually closing games with those guys. You know, Nicholas Batum at center, Robert Covington spending minutes at center, Marcus Morris playing minutes at center, etc. Against the Grizzlies with a guy like Steven Adams, you can't do that. Without Steven Adams, they can do that. They'll put Robert Covington on a guy, or uh, Nicholas Batum on Jaron Jackson Jr., and, and, you know, deal with it. Uh, Brandon Clark. They'll deal with that mess up. Xavier Tillman, you know, is great. For one, he has been phenomenal. And I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit later in the podcast about how great he's been. But he's not the biggest, you know, offensive threat where you say get him the ball down low. And if he's got a smaller guy on him, it's barbecue chicken. Uh, Steven Adams, it's not barbecue chicken probably from a scoring standpoint, but it's barbecue chicken from the standpoint of he's going to grab that miss, you know, if someone on the Grizzly misses the shot and he's going to kick it out, they're going to get an easier shot or he's going to go back up over smaller guys. So that Clippers game is the swing game. And I think if Steven Adams is available, kind of helps swing it one way or the other. So, uh, overall, if they win that game against the Lakers, you're looking at a two and two road trip you know, uh, with the Houston win uh, factored in. So, I mean, I think going into that road trip, you say, hey, the Grizzlies will go split these games. Uh, most people will be satisfied with that. So one and two, these last three games, these next three games, one and two is what you said, right? That's that. That's what I say. What say you? All right. All right. I'm going one and two as well. I think Denver will be a loss. No disrespect, but I think it'll be a loss. I think you'll either get one of those L.A. games. Um the other thing about that trip, you're spending four, was it four days in L.A.? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> and we, you and I both know the old NBA wisdom. The more you stay in L.A., the L.A. Yep. nightlife is undefeated. So, um, A built-in think, advantage. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that the, if I had to pick one game, I think the Lakers game is the one. Because, obviously, they'll get their taste of the nightlife. Um and that'll be that. But the Clippers game will be tough. I think the Lakers game is winnable. So I'm going one and two as well. And if I sound like I'm rushing, it's because I want to get to what DeMichael just talked about with Steven Adams. Because Taylor Jenkins said this week that Steven Adams likely will return at some point at the end of this road trip. We don't know when, but you can bet it'll probably be in Los Angeles against either the Clippers or the Lakers. So we discussed Steven Adams' impact last week. Obviously, with him coming back, you get a guy who's going to impact this offense in a lot of ways, this rebounding and the screens and all that. But you're also going to have a little bit of a interesting dilemma on the bench because in Steven Adams' absence the last few games since the All-Star break, Xavier Tillman's been playing some of the best ball he's played this season. And it's going to be a fun thing for Taylor Jenkins to figure out how is he going to manage uh, Xavier Tillman's minutes going forward because he's been productive as well. Um, DeMichael, what do you think would be uh, the best way to kind of handle this, given obviously – what Tillman has done. Do you try to figure out how to play him more or do you treat it as, hey, good job and kind of work with that? <laughs> so it's a great problem to have, right? You know, these are the type of problems you want to talk about a team having, you know, too many guys. And so the thing with it, it, Xavier Tillman Sr. is he's been great. I mean, look how he played against, you know, Jokic and then look how he played against Embiid. You know, yeah. even though they, you know, lost that game, but he he was terrific, you know, holding his own, you know, in, in that matchup. And just in overall, even before these last, you know, couple games where he's really, you know, stood out, even the Lakers game against Anthony Davis, you know, he really played uh, well in that game, too. But my I always thought through, through this entire time that Stephen Adams has been out. He, he has clearly outperformed 
you know, Brandon Clark. And I know a lot of people, you know, and I'll get to this as well. Evan, a lot of people say, oh, you know, matchups, matchups, matchups. Evan, here's my counter to that. Of course, you know, uh, you, 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 Brandon Clark is your, you know, very mobile. Uh, you know, he can, he has that floater. He's one of the best in the NBA when it comes to, you know, diving to the rim, catches those alley-oops as we saw against, you know, the Rockets and things like yep. that. Very efficient in that role, can guard, you know, pretty much one through five and hold his own. And Xavier Tillman, very, you know, mobile for his size as well, but uh, maybe not as, you know, not as much of an offensive threat as Brandon Clark, I would say, overall from that perspective. But, you know, a better rebounder, you know, more aggressive, more uh, assertive on that end. But this whole matchups thing, you you only can go so far with that if you're you're paying a guy uh, what the Grizzlies are paying Brandon Clark. You remember when he got that extension, uh, that money was comparable to players like Wendell Carter, mm-hmm. Robert Williams. And those are two of the better young bigs in the league. And quite frankly, they're not matchup players. They're not guys that you're saying, oh, uh, we're playing Embiid or or, or Joseph Nurchich this night, so uh, they're only going to play 16 minutes. They they have to play every night. So given that he signed a four-year extension worth $52 million, uh, Brandon Clark you know, needs to be on the floor. And he 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 is productive. You know, he's instant offense. But Xavier Tillman has outplayed him in stretches. So getting back just to the original question, I think uh, the decision should be, uh, you know, I think when you go from Steven Adams to, to Brandon Clark, it, it's kind of like, you know, in football, right? When I think of football, you're, you're a SoCal guy, Evan. So I'm going to take you, we're going to take you back to Southern Cal, right? Uh, let's say, uh, Reggie Bush, Lindell White. That's the way I think of it. With your running backs, Stephen Adams. That's a Steven comparison. I never would have thought about that. Is a brilliant comparison. Yeah, yeah. You like that one? Um, Stephen Adams is your is your is your Lindell White, right? He's gonna he's getting downhill. He's knocking you back. Boom, boom, boom. And then you kind of have your change of pace guy in in Reggie Bush. Quick, you know, Brandon Clark. That's your your Reggie Bush. Um, Xavier Tillman gives you two two Lindell Whites. And uh, I think, you know, Taylor Jenkins likes to have, you know, that that versatility. He talks about versatility more than anything. And that's why I think, you know, when Steven Adams gets back, I mean, Xavier Tillman has been playing great, but he hasn't been playing, you know, at a superstar level or anything. Like, I, I don't think it'll be the most difficult decision in the world to say, hey, you know, you're our third big man again. So unless these guys are in foul trouble, he's probably going to be playing, you know, limited time. But like I said. Great, great production for Xavier Tillman Sr. But look at the the last game, right, against the Rockets. Tillman started in the first half, right? In the second half, Brandon Clark got to start. Why? There's that versatility. Okay, this matchup isn't working. Let's switch to that guy. Uh, You have the differences in games when you do that between those two. And it won't be the same if you're switching pretty much from Steven Adams to Xavier Tillman Sr. In some cases it is, you know, when you go against a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, as we saw. But in this case... Uh, not so much. So I think, you know, he'll just go back to his his role pre-Steven Adams injury. So it, it's interesting to me with Tillman and Clark. Like, I think what happens is that you get bursts of good play from both of them. What you don't get is like that consistent, like, boom, they come in, they give you that reliable number of that you're looking for, whether it's 
10 points, five assists, or I mean, 10 points, five rebounds, double, double. You, you get what you, you basically, you get a good stretch from either one of them, but you don't really get that consistency throughout. Like, I think that's been one of the things with, with Clark is that throughout his career, he can give you something in the paint, but when he starts for some reason, it's been a difficult adjustment for him. He's much better as a six man, which I think is fine for his role and for what he's getting paid. I think that's a fine role for him to be because, again, the way guys are getting paid, I mean, Luke Kennard is getting you know over 10 million a year for being a, a great shooter off the bench so i don't have a problem with that but i think like you said the dilemma is if you go to tillman are you going to get the same level of play every night out from him coming off the bench if you go to brandon clark are you going to get that reliable you know besides the highlights here highlights there are you going to get the numbers that you need from him to be that reliable player? Because obviously in the playoffs, you're probably going to need both of them. You're going to need both of them. We saw what Brandon Clark yeah. did in the postseason last year against uh, the Timberwolves, but you're going to need both of them. But I think right now, just to kind of stay focused on the Adams situation, I think when you take Adams out, the Grizzlies obviously have played closing lineups with Clark and Tillman. I think it's going to just come down to whoever is playing well that game. And it might seem weird, but for now, I think you you keep Tillman in the mix because you want him to keep up that play, keep that rhythm going. Clark's still going to be on the court, but you just have to kind of figure out, hey, I don't want to say you roll with the hot hand, but you roll with the hot hand. Like, you can roll with the guy who's played well, and Clark will obviously continue to play his role as well. And if Tillman's going to be your five, Clark is your four, you know, it may be a weird lineup, but you can weather it because it's not going to be something you play for, much, for a lot of long stretches. So definitely, I think... Tillman has earned his way to stay solid in the rotation for now because the Grizzlies clearly have something in him. So before we wrap up, we obviously need to get to the big news of the week. Um, I think everybody has seen by now John Morant um, was the subject of a story in the Washington Post that mentioned, obviously, a couple of incidents that he was um, accused of being involved in. Now, to be fair, um, the incident that the Washington Post reported with him getting into um, – the, the punching out the the teenager at his at his house. Uh, we reported that incident in January with um in, with the lawsuit. The lawsuit was first reported by TMZ. We were able to get the documents. We reported that as well. So that was not new information. The new information, of course, was this incident that happened at Wolf Chase Galleria, where apparently um, John Morant's mother got into a dispute with an employee. This is what the Post reported. Um, she called John Morant. John Morant returned with um the, again. This is the Post saying. Um, nine to ten people who refused to leave the parking lot after they spoke with mall security. Um, and then we've got we of course got the police report. Um, you know, security director asked them to leave. They did not leave. Um, and apparently in this altercation, somebody um reached over the officer's shoulder. Again, this is what we are reading from the report, conducted an unknown action resulting in both individuals taking an aggressive fighting stance. This suspect was not named. It is not John Morant. We should be clear of that. And apparently John Morant said, you know, you know, let me find out what time he gets off. That's what the alleged security director said. Um, so this all happened in July. We should be clear. Both of these events happened in July. And again, the Washington Post added that information about what happened to Wolf Chase, the lawsuit involving the young man being, you know, alleging that John Morant punched him and, you know, John Morant saying he did punch him in self-defense. We reported that in January. Um, but obviously, taking into account what's happened with this, these two situations, what happened with the, the post game with the Indiana Pacers, there's obviously going to be a lot of discussion about John Morant right now and kind of, you know, 
what's going on. And obviously, Mon uh, yesterday as well, recording this Tuesday, this is Wednesday, he also had another ad that was released as well. So there's a lot going on with John Morant right now. And we're going to obviously not discuss, you know, we're not going to obviously offer too much opinion. If you want our opinion from the commercial appeal standpoint, I will direct you to Mark Giannato's excellent column discussing the situation. But to Michael, I just want to ask this, you know, we both of us have, have, have seen Ja interact lately with the media. We've noticed that he's kind of had this more chill attitude in speaking with us. He's talked about protecting his peace. He's kind of been careful with his comments since the fine in the West stuff. What, what do you see about how Ja Morant seems to be changing his mood since that Indiana Pacers incident um, happened in January? Yeah, you mentioned it, the, the whole protecting his peace thing, right? He's uh, kind of, you know, you know, embrace that that lately, you know, not as much, you know, of everything else. And, uh, you know, a lot of those other things, a lot of the, you know, the finding the West thing, I think personally, I think in his head, you know, it's probably, you know, gotten to, to the point where he feels like, you know, maybe I didn't, you know, maybe I did jump the gun on saying that. But he's not going to say that out loud because, you know, that's, you know, he's confident in his team and and he wants to kind of ex continue to exuberate uh, that confidence. So with that being said, I think that's pretty much, you know, all it is there. Uh, it's a lot. You know, you got to remember Jai is, you know, 23. He's handling a lot of things for a 23-year-old. He is the star of Memphis, probably, you know, the biggest star, especially on the Grizzlies that we've had, you know, in Memphis. So uh, I think uh, that's pretty much you know, where, where we are in, in regards to, you know, John Morant and, you know, you know, that situation. But I also add that uh, with Ja, you know, there, there is a certain limelight, right? You know, you're a star player and there's a certain limelight uh, that comes there. And, and I think, you know, that's something that he is still adjusting to it. I mean, it's kind of happened fast, you know, his first two years, he was a very, very, you know, young star on the rise player. Then last year he jumps in and starts in the all-star game. And, you know, in this season, he is a bona fide, you know, top 10 Jersey sales, uh, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere we go on the road, he, he's a big deal. It's, it's a whole nother level now. And there's a lot of good that comes with that, but there's a lot of bad as well. Yeah. And I, and I do think that ultimately the lessons here is that this is obviously part of Jaws education as far as like, you know, not just being a superstar, but how he has to learn how to manage these situations. And obviously it's going to be a lot for him to, to learn and for his people to learn as well. Um, I do think though, that with his changing persona, I think with his change of attitude, the last couple of months, the last month or so, he seems very aware that he knows he's trying to do things differently. He's turned off the comments on his um, social media pages or he limps them on Instagram. I think he's turned them off on Twitter. Um, He's been very short with us with some of his comments in the post-game pressers in terms of things that could be um, deemed controversial. Like when I asked him if this was a statement when it gets the nuggets, he said another good win kept it moving. So I think right now, clearly, I think John Moran's trying to just be very careful, be very cautious, and focus on his words, which unfortunately, this is part of the the growing up process of the superstars that sometimes you go from being super accessible to being more guarded and being more aware of what you say and what you do. And hopefully for Josh's sake, being a young player and being the face of this team, you know, you want to see him kind of just, you know, just be more, be more aware. And I think he is being more aware. I think obviously we said these incidents happened in January or July, the Pacers incident happened in January. I think it's a matter of just 
you know, he has to recognize kind of decisions he has to make, and he has to move carefully in those decisions because obviously the Grizzlies have much more to think about. They got a championship aspiration. They got a season that's still going to be very promising. Josh Hughes are about to come out in April. A whole lot is going on right now, so I think Josh's learning how to navigate. But again, we're not excusing things that, you know, may or may not have happened, but it's more of like understanding that, hey, this is part of his growing up process, and unfortunately, when you have to do it in front of people, it can be very difficult. So we will definitely see what happens. But clearly, Josh seems to be on a different mindset right now, trying to be more mindful of his words and what happens. So we'll end on that note. Obviously, a lot going on with the Grizzlies uh, post-All-Star break, but a lot to come because these next three games will be on national TV. So the more eyeballs, the better for the Grizzlies, we hope. If not, Again, more questions that need to be answered because clearly this team is not going to uh, have uh, lacking publicity, we shall say. So we'll end on that note. For DeMichael, I'm Evan. Uh, thank you all for listening. Again, keep reading our coverage at CommercialAppeal.com. We'll have plenty going on with this road trip. DeMichael will have plenty of coverage. And uh, get ready because when they come back from this road trip, Warriors will be out to play. We'll get into that next time. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.